Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is episode 35 with Christy Drower. I am so happy that you're here and thank you for joining my show, your coach, Helen Yuskovic. I am on a worldwide mission to help people get confident in putting themselves first because I used to put myself second my whole life. And because of that, I experienced every unhealthy relationship possible, an unhealthy relationship with myself, my health my wealth, my intimate relationships, my family, my friends, and my career. I'm now living in an abundance that I used to just dream about. So I want to pave the way for you too. It's time, guys. It's time that you live in the life of your dreams as well. So let's take a step towards that right now. P.S. Subscribe to my podcast on your app now so that you always tune in to my new episodes. Christy is a survivor of 20 years of severe domestic abuse and she's on a mission to heal and support the recovery of domestic abuse victims so that they never have to suffer abuse again. 20 years of her life was spent fighting to live, not enjoying or flourishing in life and just fighting to take another breath. She found a way out when she was taken to the mental health facility and had a complete psychological and emotional breakdown and was diagnosed with anxiety, CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, cognitive brain damage and Stockholm syndrome. She had a speech impairment and reacted slowly to stimuli. She couldn't make decisions And she was riddled with anger, fear, hurt, sadness, guilt, recurring nightmares and flooding thoughts of the abuse. She was trauma bonded, codependent, always seeking outside validation and was manically suicidal. When she came across a modality called NLP, Neuro Linguistics Programming and Timeline Therapy, It changed her life forever. And that is how I know her because we studied with the same teacher. Now, the biggest win of all for Christy was that her CPTSD was completely gone and she was no longer trauma bonded to her perpetrator. My favorite line of her bio is this, today I am free. Today is such a special episode, guys. We talk about so much stuff when it comes to domestic abuse and domestic violence. We will talk about what domestic violence is. We'll also talk about your brain and how it changes when you are in an abusive relationship for a prolonged period of time. This literally blew my mind because I didn't know that this could happen to anybody. We'll also talk about various forms of abuse. We'll talk about some signs to watch out for. We'll talk about how someone can reach out if they need help. And Christy so graciously gives us three recovery tips to help anyone along their journey. If you are 
suffering, please reach out to your nearest domestic abuse service. As you'll hear Christy say later on in the episode, they are everywhere and they are there to help you. So if you're at home, make a tea, turn it up. And if you're driving to work, sit back and I hope you find this episode super valuable. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to talk about my Step Into Your Power program. This is an extremely powerful process for personal change, healing and transformation. My Step Into Your Power program is a way to get your life in order once and for all and to overcome a major issue in your life. Let go of a number of limiting beliefs, negative emotions, and essentially reset your life. Mm, So good. I utilize my expertise with powerful personal development modalities such as neuro-linguistic programming, timeline therapy, hypnosis and life coaching to remove your previous barriers and week by week you and I will walk towards the future that you desire. If this sounds like something that you need send me an email to info at wholehealth.com.au with the words step into my power and I will contact you as soon as possible. All right, I have a very special guest here today who I am super excited for you guys to meet. Her name is Christy Drower, and she has an amazing, epic, heartbreaking, heartwarming story, which is why I wanted to bring her on here today because I want to talk about an issue that is plaguing society, and it's an issue that we need to bring more awareness to which is why I've got her on here. So welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. How does it feel when I say all of that? It feels um, heartwarming. Like I don't even recognize that person that I was then anymore. And that's the beauty of it. Even when I step back into that space, I'm like, wow, what a journey full on I can't wait to dive into this but before we do can you tell me how many hours of sleep you got last night eight eight and a half perfect let's dive into this chat you're now a coach specializing in domestic abuse can you tell me and the listeners how all of this unfolded for you I know there's a huge backstory so can you just take us through a little bit of history about your life so that those people that are listening that might be in the same situation or something similar can maybe see that hold on there is a light at the end of the tunnel sure so for me it was a childhood romance I was very young when I was with my perpetrator I already had low self-worth low self-esteem, even when I entered the relationship, which made me a prime target. I did not have much family support and I already had suffered trauma in my life. So that made me very susceptible to abuse. So my clear trauma wound was abandonment. Your clear trauma wound, did you say? Yeah. So After healing and getting into really diving deep into my trauma and how the abuse unfolded and things like that, what I realised about myself was that I already had trauma previous to getting into the abusive relationship. A bit of a backstory, my mum died when I was young, when I was eight years old. I wasn't raised by my father um, and from that stage I had obtained an abandonment wound. So I felt like I wasn't worthy. I wasn't lovable. I felt like I just had this deep insatiation of needing, needing um, connection and support and that missing inner being and that missing inner part of myself, which made me very susceptible to abuse. Gotcha. Did you even know that you had abandonment issues back then or you just it was just that feeling of you needing something needing connection needing correct neediness and loneliness and all of those deep dark inner insatiable feelings of when you feel empty and 
trying to fill that with something outside of myself. Is that when Perpetrator came along? Perpetrator came along. We knew each other from childhood and it was just an easy in for him. And from that point, from my neediness and my trauma, I would overlook red flags. I was easy to also control and have no family support, nobody really coming for me because I didn't have much family support to start with. So I was easily targeted. I was easily controlled. I was easily isolated. And on top of that, I had bad self-worth issues already without the abuse on top of it. So I was an easy target and without having those support structures around me led to me being in abuse for a very long time. This relationship, how, it was 20 years, wasn't it? It was 20 years. Such a long time. And then how did it unfold to you now becoming a coach to help other people in your situation? This is what fascinates me. How did you get out? How did, how did that happen? I hit the bottom of all bottoms. It was either death, I was going to die. He was going to kill me. I was going to be dead. There was no other way. I was either going to find a way out and fight myself to freedom and health or he was going to kill me. It was life or death for me, Uh, do or die, make a choice, life or, or not live. And the thing is with abuse is that there are so many psychological issues that go along with abuse. It is like a hidden wall. You've got the fear of them attacking you. You've got the isolation and no support. You've got the trauma bonding, which ends up in a peptide addiction. And abuse victims aren't even aware that this is happening to them in psychological ways and what it's actually doing to your brain. I fought the trauma bonding. It's actually a chemical addiction that gets you addicted to the abuse. Then I had Stockholm Syndrome, which runs into um, I had been in the abuser situation for such a long period of time that I eventually, in order to survive, converted my negative feelings of the abuse into positive feelings of the abuse with the perpetrator in order to be able to survive in the environment. Is that what Stockholm Syndrome is? That's what Stockholm Syndrome is, yeah. It's almost like a captive in an abuse situation and surviving. So when you hit rock bottom, did you then realise, hold on, I'm in an abusive relationship, I'm a victim, or was it prior to that? Prior. I already knew that I was in a domestic violence relationship. Obviously, I was being beaten and hit and I knew I was in the cycle of violence. I also got to a point where I could speed the cycle up and slow it down in order to keep myself safe. And sometimes I got so exhausted by the partner cycle where it gets a love bombing that I would push it to explosion cycle just to get the hitting over and done with. What is love bombing? So love bombing is when they abuse you and then they, and then you go into a period of recovery and then they love bomb you to make you to, for you not to leave and to give you all those feelings of love and warmth and happiness and all of those feelings in order to keep you to stay. Generally, by that stage, you're that worn down. You've been abused horrifically. You don't have any support. You really don't feel like there is a way out. And honestly, sometimes you just think it's easier to forgive. It is so hard. And unfortunately, in the beginning of abuse, in most cases, women are groomed. It's very similar to sexual abuse. Most perpetrators have the same sort of behaviours, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's DV, whether it's whatever it is, there's always that grooming. So looking back now, can you see how he groomed you and what was it that he was doing to groom you? So they come in like a knight in shining armour. They basically study you. So when you're on a first date with them or when you're doing activities and having those first moments together in that honeymoon period, they're actually studying you. 
They're working out what your weaknesses are. They're working out what your needs are. They're working out what you love. And they literally fill all your gaps so that you feel like this is the the love of your life. They're your soulmate. They tell you they're your soulmate. They've never got anyone like the way that they get you, the way they're connected. They literally get you on a high of this love that it creates this emotional connection that then once the abuse starts to unfold, you're constantly searching for that person that you first fell in love with even though you don't know that you were being groomed. And it's sadistic and they plant the seeds of doubt, get you to mistrust your own intuition, get you to not trust people in your family. Just the whole abuse cycle is so manipulative and so insidious and it's slow. It's not like you wake up one day, they punch you in the face and you go, wow, it is slow. It's over a period of time until they've gotten you to a point of already doubting yourself, already low self-worth, already isolating you. All of those things, they'll get you to a position of surrender before you'll see the dark side. Far out. It's narcissistic person on steroids. It is. It truly is. And it's insidious and it's slow and it's calculated. It's really tough for victims when they're in abuse. You can see being in that cycle and the whole severity of it. And then when you try and leave, the time that you're most at risk of dying is when you leave because they're losing control. So for me, and the thing is with abuse generally, and this is where the blame and shame comes into it. When a person leaving DV leaves, it'll generally take them seven times before they get out and stay out. So they'll go back. So there is the cycle of when the victim finally gets out that they're being stalked by the abuser, they're being run down, they um, don't have any support, they've got the feelings of low self-worth, they've got that feeling of still trying to chase that person that they fell in love with, the cycle of. And then they've also got psychological issues like PTSD. Nobody who's been in abuse doesn't come out with PTSD. You've got problems when you come out of abuse. Um, And then you've got anxiety, you've got the flashbacks, all these psychological problems. And then on top of it, you will also have trauma, which isn't talked about enough. Trauma bonding. So I was never aware of this. It's a psychological addiction to the abuse and scientists suggest that it is 50 times harder to get off than heroin. So it's a peptide addiction to the cycle of abuse. So it's your chemical reaction in your body that feeds you and gets you addicted to the negative emotions in your body. So because you're so used to being in an environment where you're constantly receiving all this negativity, all this put down, your body becomes addicted to those neuro neuropeptides. And when you get out of the abuse, you are in horrific pain. And sometimes it's like a drug addict. And then all the other things that are on top of it, you'll go back to the abuser to make the pain stop. Is it like physical pain or mental pain? All, everything, in every part of your being. It is horrific. It's indescribable to really communicate the type of pain you're in. It's, I guess it's like when a drug addict's telling their story of recovery or anything else, I can only describe it as of a torturous pain that is mentally, physically and spiritually annihilating. Sounds like you, you've, you're down in the depths of the darkness of the darkness but how did you get out this isn't the way for every abuse victim but for me it literally took until death knock like I knew in that moment that I was either going to die or I was going to get out and that's when I hit the mental health facility because I was in such a bad way from all the abuse 
were they close to you? How did you find their number? How did you know about them? Here's the plug I really want to do because Obviously, victims of domestic abuse are in so much shame and blame and generally people that don't understand abuse, you get shame from your family because you've gone back. Um, There is so much horrific guilt and shame that comes around it that women don't actually seek the help of the domestic violence services that are out there to help women. So the thing that I did different this time is I reached out to every single domestic violence service there was on this planet in order to get the help that I needed because like I said I was either gonna die or I was gonna fix my shit and that's when you knew hold on I have a heartbeat I deserve to live and this is probably where you attuned to your self-worth and you were like I don't deserve this I need to fight for myself that is the mentality where I'm, I'm trying to figure out how did you get to that point? You're just so low and then you just find this hope. Was there something that you thought about? Was there someone that you thought about? My children, definitely. My children, I'm just like, you know, what happens if I'm not here? What happens then? Like, and I was in such a bad way, to be honest, I'd, In that moment, I didn't know how I was ever going to be okay again. And we'll get into explaining how I became okay again. Um, I didn't know how this journey was going to go. But what I did know, there was two choices, die or fix yourself. They were the hope and they were the reason that you were like, I'm getting out of this. This guy's not going to control me for the rest of my life. Can you talk about what exactly is domestic abuse? Domestic abuse is anything or anyone that treats you less than. So you've got two people that should be two holes at at an equal level that have a mutual respect as two whole people. And they serve each other at that level. They're whole healed individual adult people that can take care of their own needs, wants and inhibitions. When there is a violation, you've got a half person and a half person. So what you call a codependent and an abusive person. One seeks power and control and ownership and anything that feeds their ego or their insatiable need to take what they need. And the other person has gaps and boundaries, um, gaps and broken parts of themselves. And it generally comes from childhood trauma or some sort of backstory that they have violations and gaps in their own boundaries and their own inner being that will oversee the red flags. And sometimes it might not be like a huge trauma. It might just be something that a child might have been missing in their life because I do know some people in the situation who didn't have like any physical sexual abuse as a child, but somehow they have ended up in an abusive relationship. Generally, what I have found mostly in doing my work, somewhere along the line, like my core wound was abandonment. But as you said, that's not everybody's. Everybody has their own story. But you'll you'll generally find a part of that gap that's missing and however it come about, you could be brought up in a healthy, well, what seems to be a healthy family and it's I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And you don't know what you deserve. So they're all really core inner wounds or inner things that you're carrying that are breaches in, breaches in your inner identity. And that's what makes you overlook the perpetrator, not trust your intuition, not see the red, red flags. And then you head down a path and once you're on that path, once you're in it, you're in trouble. Can you explain how domestic abuse isn't just physical? Absolutely. Mine was both horrifically physical and emotional and mental. So I had all three. However, I don't really talk too much about the physical because even when I was in it, honestly, sometimes I would just think to myself, God, just hit me. It was it, The hitting was easier than the psychological abuse. 
the psychological abuse is annihilating. It truly is. And then by the time you get to CPTSD, anxiety, trauma bonding, all those psychological effects that come along with abuse, you are literally a shell of a person. And that's how you're operating and that's where you're coming from. And by that stage, getting that insatiable inner feeling of I need to fight for myself and this needs to stop is generally a really long road to get to because you're so broken. There's so many different components to domestic abuse and this is why it's an epidemic. Like it truly is an epidemic. They can't control it. They don't know how to fix it and they're throwing more money at it with services and things like that. But it is just growing and growing and growing, particularly in Australia. And funnily enough, it's not just, you know, like you you mentioned, it's not just say for me I had core wounds from when I was a child. But we're talking about people in authority and people that are asserting themselves, they're becoming, they're in abuse situations and it truly is just becoming an epidemic. Christy, it's time for a curveball. Are you ready to play? Yes. (laughs) We need (laughs) curveballs in this discussion because it's so heavy. Can you tell the listeners and I something interesting about you or something that people might not know about you? I don't know if this is a well, because you know what? You know what's funny? Coming coming out of abuse, I like literally had to find myself again. So I don't know that anyone really has a perception of me. I was always just the broken person that was in DV. But I am a nerd. I'm a big nerd. It's funny because (laughs) (laughs) I guess I had this persona or I don't know. um, I think there might have been a perception of me being more just outgoing and now doing, you know, probably more of an extrovert. I'm an extroverted personality. So when I tell people that I love reading and like if I had, if somebody said to me, do you want to, come out tonight for drink, dinner and drinks and I had a book that I wanted to read, I'd probably read the book. I love that. You're my type of gal. Yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. So you're an undercover nerd. I'm Nerds an undercover nerd. Way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's continue. How come some people, Maybe most, I don't know. How come they don't know that they are in an abusive relationship? They don't know, simply from what I said in the beginning, um, it's because of the slow coercion and um, they plant seeds of doubt in your mind. The perpetrator, it's grooming, they groom you and it's slow. Like I said, they come in like a knight in shining armour, they study you, they find all your gaps and your inner desires and they study everything about you they feed you exactly what you need and on top of that they find what your wounds are and they fill those so when they fill those you feel like you have met the person of your dreams that has fixed your every problem your every whatever it is because generally somebody who is susceptible to abuse, will look for outside validation rather than inside validation. So that was a big learning from me. So when somebody comes in and can heal all those parts of yourself. The charmer. The charmer that can make you feel amazing. They claim soulmate status. They give you your every dream and desire emotionally. and it fills you in a way you've never been filled before, especially if you have gaps in yourself that craves support, attention, love, security, approval, survival, all of those core embedded beliefs about yourself and needs. Once they've filled those, your hook, line and sinker. Which is probably why you tend to like the overload of texts and messages and calls and why you like that they say I love you very quickly 
and why you like that they do all of these amazing things at the start because it's what you're craving. Correct. And so you will overlook the fact that that's quite odd behaviour and people that are healthy would have a healthy level of connection to get to know you and that their behaviour is actually over the top. And the fact that somebody's trying to fill your inner needs and every desire means that's a red flag because people are their own person, their whole identity, two people coming together to get to know one another. Because you have those core wounds, because your boundaries are low, because your self-worth is low, you're susceptible to overlook all the red flags. Yeah. Which is tough because it's like we're not taught this stuff in school, right? Like I didn't go into a relationship knowing that I had all these breaches in my boundaries, that I had low self-worth, that I was looking for external validation, that all of these things that were breaches in my own inner identity, I didn't know. I've been in toxic relationships too and I, (laughs) after like my last one, which was pretty bad, he was addicted to drugs, I thought that's it, everyone's getting a one-year probationary period before I date them because I didn't trust my choices but now after doing our course I've realized hold on we have the power to make a decision on the red flags that we see we have the power to understand our value system and seeing if their values align with ours and so I no longer need to have that one year period of grace when I date someone because I have. Because you trust yourself. Yes. But before it was just like, why do I keep making the wrong decision in love? What? And then it's everything that you said. It's the the lack of boundaries. It's the Mm -hmm. self-worth issues and what you feel that you deserve or don't deserve and it's those core wounds that we really need to work on to keep ourselves safe so I'm really glad that you pointed that out and made a lot of sense to me yeah and it's funny you know it always comes back to self that's what I was going to do in my three recovery tips but it's never about them as hard as that is for abuse victims to hear It's never about them. It's always about you. You cannot fix, change, prescribe, lecture somebody to change. The only person you have the power to change is yourself. Can I flip the switch here and ask Mm -hmm. about the perpetrator? What kind of a person do you have to be to be a perpetrator? What is the mentality of hurting somebody intentionally? What is the psychology behind that? How could someone hurt you? Power and control. That's it. So that's it. So when they, so like I said, when you're in a healthy relationship, it's equal, right? Everything's equal. You're in control and you're responsible for your own feelings, your own managing yourself, showing up, respect, honesty, love, all of those things. Two people in a healthy relationship are responsible for themselves. This is how an abuse relationship goes. You're down here and they control you and stand over you. They get their ego feed. They feel worth something. They feel like that they are a person. They feel like that they're special. They feel it's all an ego feed. So while you're down here and they're in control, they're getting this flood of emotion that they're better than you. It's an ego feed of power and control. That's all it is. And that's, once again, generally, and not that I'm excusing abusive abusers' behaviours, generally they've got their own core wounds. That has come from somewhere. 100%. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So it is like two wounded people are together One is abusive and controlling and one doesn't know their worth, their boundaries, stating their own value systems, all of those things. And it's a toxic situation. And the only person that's going to lose is the person that's being abused because it becomes to a point where it's life or death because the abuse only ever gets worse, never gets better, 
it always escalates. And in fact, every time an abuse victim leaves and returns, that abuser, they're still studying you the whole time, even in the relationship where they're abusing you. Because what you'll do is you'll learn survival skills. You'll learn coping mechanisms. It's your human nature to survive. They're learning how you're learning to survive. So the more you are trying to keep yourself safe, the more they're just getting tools on how to abuse you better. There is no win in that situation ever at all. And unfortunately, yeah, it's tough. But do you know what? Even if you took a situation that wasn't as severe as mine, it was just a toxic situation, that is still a lack in inner worth somehow, a breach in a boundary, even in just a toxic situation. So in every situation, someone is always showing back to us a part of ourselves. 100% I agree. I always sit there and think, what is it that I needed to learn from in that relationship? How did I attract that? What is the part that I played for Mm -hmm. that relationship? So it's not about excusing their behavior, but just trying to understand and take a little bit of responsibility into how you ended up in that situation. And I kind of went, I go into it with my three recovery tips, but you can, you can either let it defeat you or you can rise from it, right? Because whatever happened in that abusive situation, it's shown you the broken inner parts of you. I had a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot. (laughs) I can laugh about it now. I I didn't do anything small. Like I went all the way. (laughs) See how we're laughing now. Was there any laughter in the 20 years of that relationship? It wasn't all abuse all the time, but it was all manipulated. So even the happy times weren't happy times. There was a reason for him allowing me to be happy for a future goal, to annihilate me. So the whole the whole cycle of abuse is constant control, power control, manipulation, ownership. Like the whole, the whole thing, it's delusional. It's not real. So because it's, yeah, like it's all manipulative. Even in a toxic situation where somebody is trying to assert control over you, it's manipula- It's thought of. They know what they're doing for an outcome. That's not reality. That's not real. That's a made-up version of how they want something to play out. I mean, obviously, I'm very thankful for my three children and to dive into it and just to be really raw and honest, I am thankful for my abuse experience because the person I am today, being able to help other people in abuse situations, the knowledge that I have and the tools that I now have to be able to help other people and being able to connect to my true authentic self now and live life with full love, joy, happiness, peace, expansion, growth, all these amazing, amazing emotions. And I live them at such a hierarchy of like level because I know the flip side. You are one inspiring woman, girlfriend. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's time for another curveball, Christy. You ready to play? Yes. What is your biggest health tip? Something that might have changed your life and something that you can maybe pass on? Definitely mental health for me. But I think the most freeing, and this is a process to get to, so I'm not saying like you just have this overnight, but if you can get to this space, this is the most freeing, to be able to let shit go. Mm. And reach out to someone if you don't know how because that's what you and I do. We help everyone let their shit go. Let their shit go. Don't let it consume you and control you for the rest of your life. And do the processes that you need to do to get to the space where you can let shit go. And I really liked what you just said then, Helen, because I really just wanted to touch on it one more time. Reach out to people. So... Like definitely in your abuse, somewhere along the wiring, 
you get embedded into because of the blame and the shame and all the things that come along with abuse that reaching out and asking for help is shameful I'm here to tell you at the end I literally put my hand up to every single domestic abuse advocacy service there was on the central coast to get the help that I needed and in each space I received nothing but absolute support love acceptance in every shape shape and form it was not shame or blame any of the things that you think that have come along with reaching out for help it's the opposite I was treated with the utmost respect so so good to know thank you for sharing that I just really wanted to put that message out there because there is services available to start your healing process because the first thing that victims of abuse need to do is be safe Mm, 100% definitely that is a massive health tip so (laughs) I hope you guys (laughs) are getting a lot of value out of this Christy, can you run through some of the various forms of abuse? Mostly you've got your psychological, your emotional, and then your physical. Like I said, I had all three in my experience. To cut long story short, you've got different aspects of psychological abuse because that's generally long-term the most damaging. So there is a phenomenon that takes place called gaslighting. And it's basically they get you to doubt your own perception of things and then double down with getting you to not trust your intuition. It's called crazy making. They literally send you crazy. By the end, my experience got that bad that I remember crying in my hands saying to myself, I don't know what's real and what's not because he had manipulated my thought process so severely that I couldn't think for myself anymore. And on top of that, my perceptions of things were wrong because he had planted seeds of doubt into my thinking patterns so I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. Is this where also financial abuse comes into play because they mess with your psychology? Well, financial abuse, oh, that's the other side of things, financial abuse. And then you've also got sexual abuse. So financial abuse is they withhold any way for you to leave. So they withhold finances, they withhold everything from you, any kind of way for you to be able to exit. So they will hold your key card, they won't give you a bank account, you don't have money, they'll find a way to manoeuvre you to be at home and not be working and be self-supportive. They isolate you from friends and family um, so you don't have access to financial services there. Exercise. Look, at the core of all of this and how they pull it off because all this stuff and the way that they do it, the only part of my abuse experience out of all of the abuse types was financial. I had access to money and that was it. I didn't suffer financial abuse, but I did suffer all the rest. Mm. And that's only because my perpetrator was so above everything. He didn't feel like he should pay bills or do anything. So I had to do everything. They all have different patterns, different behaviours, different ways to coerce and control, all of that, right? But at the end of the day, how they pull all of this off is by fear. Yeah, I was about to say leading into this fear some people don't understand how you can have sexual abuse in a relationship sexual abuse in a relationship is obviously a deep spiritual boundary breach and it is one of the toughest that and the psychological to heal from when you have sexual abuse in a relationship generally by the time you've gotten to that point you are well under control and have no escape route so that's generally something that comes many many years into the abuse when they've gotten you to a state where you can no longer fend for yourself you have no support your self-worth is that low you're in riddled in fear of them got it so they've got you to this point over the time of being with them of becoming so low they've been depleting you and depleting you and depleting you to the point where you're just it's like you've lost your soul abuse 
breaks your soul. It is horrific. And this is why it's so hard for people to seek help and get out and stay out. And then they've got the healing process. See, after you come out of abuse, you're so broken that the abusers then play on that. But you and I both know that there are tools to help you heal from fear. Mm -hmm. And then guilt and shame, sadness, all of those negative emotions that are attached to abuse. And that's when my life changed. It was different. So I'm two years a thriver and a survivor. So most people look at sobriety when they're claiming addictions and their years of sobriety. My sobriety has been two years now. (laughs) Wow. That's not that long when you think about it. It's not that long. And I literally was in the mental health system. I had, my God, the list of mental health issues I had. And from accessing all my support services and doing the work and finding what I needed, I on a quick on a quick scale become healthy very quickly how and old were you when you first went in, into this relationship i was 21 and it was 20 years so it was a long time i don't ever wish anyone to get to be as broken as what i was but that's why I'm in this and I'm on a mission to show people that are in abuse situations that they can get out and they can heal and thrive. And it's not in, you know, as you said, it can take a lifetime to heal because that's generally been the expectation with all of those horrific mental health issues that you come out of abuse with. But I'm here to tell you that's not not the truth. It is not the truth. You can heal and you can become a survivor and a thriver in a much quicker time period. So, and that's my mission. That's so beautiful to help people in that same position because sometimes people don't know who they will be without their wound. Sometimes people Mm -hmm. don't know how to let go because they don't know who they'll be without their pain. And that's sometimes scary, which is why there is coaches like yourself And that's why we do what we do, because we have this deep desire to help free people from their chains. What are some signs to watch out for in a a relationship? If they claim soulmate status, number one, big red flag. I've never met anybody like you. We connect on a deeper level, da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, how do you know when it's true and when it's not? Well, a healthy person wouldn't claim soulmate status. A healthy person, no. And even long term, it, you know, there might be, you know, when you're getting married and you've had a long time to know each other, oh, we're soulmates. Do you know what I mean? But they do it in a way to hook you. Like you will never find anybody like them ever again. Like they're special. And you are so lucky to have found them. This is a lifetime opportunity. If they shower you with text messages, love, the love bombing, the overexertion, once again, it should be at a healthy level getting to know somebody, a nice pace where you're deciding whether you want this person to be a part of your life, even if you've got a connection, so forth. Non-stop calls. Non-stop calls. The other thing is, is when they start to make you feel bad about yourself and it's not like they come up to you and they go, you're shit, look at yourself. They don't do that. Otherwise you would go, what? Who are you? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it would be small things like it's small seeds of doubt that they plant in your mind. Like, are you going to wear that out tonight? I'm just not sure. I think you've got other things that have made you look better. I'm just trying to be honest with you. Um, I wouldn't want you to feel bad about yourself when really you look hot, right? Or you look really good. And then you will start to look at yourself and start to think, oh, okay. And because you trust this person, because what normal person would tell you something that wasn't true? You wouldn't do that to anybody else. So why would they do that if it wasn't true? And I always say this, here's a good example of gaslighting and them getting to doubt your own reality. Like just say, for instance, 
you've got the family, you've got now the car, you're walking through the door, you walk through second, putting your shopping on the bench, whatever it might be, and you've turned around and said to your partner, how come you didn't shut the door? And they'll be like, what do you mean? You came through the door last. Why didn't you shut it? And you'll be like, I came through second. Like, what do you mean? Why didn't you shut the door? They'll be like, you came through last. Why didn't you shut it? Why are you always putting everything back on me? Why are you always looking to start a fight with me? And when really you didn't come through last, they did. Okay. Did that happen to you? Oh, yeah. Heaps of times. Like when I got out of the abuse and I actually learned about gaslighting, And I sat in it and I thought about the years of abuse and gaslighting techniques. I was just like, wow. Like even the seeds of doubt he planted in my mind about the worthiness of other people so that I wouldn't trust other people. To be isolated. About their character and things like that. And I would eventually, I found myself fighting with people because he would tell me stuff that they had said about me and just creating chaos in my world, the way that they manipulate and the way that they plant the seeds of doubt, you don't even know what's happening. Starting to doubt yourself. Maybe if you start to feel bad about doing things like going out with your friends or Mm -hmm. going out to exercise or, you know, sometimes it happens when women are on a health journey because I'm in the health industry where they start to lose weight. Yeah. And some partners just can't accept it. So if they can't support your healing and your growth, because in a healthy relationship, you both want to grow and you support each other in whatever whatever your ambitions are and and you want to support and, you know, help them get to where they want to get and let them have their own journey. It's a healthy connection. Like I said, it doesn't have to be as bad as what mine was, but even in a toxic relationship, when it's not even, that's when it's not healthy. Mm. When you don't trust yourself, when they start, when you start fighting with others, that's another big, when you've always gotten along with everyone, you're a happy go, lucky, bubbly person. You connect with people because you're giving and kind. When you start to fight with people, you start to have a lot of drama in your life. You start to disconnect from people that you once loved with all your heart. They're all signs that you're in, you're in something. There's probably more signs that we might've missed guys, but there's some valuable ones. (laughs) Christy, it's time for your last curveball. You ready to play? Yeah, go for it, woman. (laughs) (laughs) I am a big believer of service and random acts of kindness, whether big or whether small. So my question is to you, what was your last random act of kindness and what was it? I take on, because obviously in domestic violence, women typically don't have much um, when they come out of abuse. Like I ended up with nothing, not a thing. Um, So each cycle that I take on new clients, always take on one client who's in need the most and I'll do their whole healing package and I don't charge for it. That's my random act of kindness. When I grow, I want to do a lot more work with creating awareness around the services, um, being able to branch out into different areas where I can give back so much more. That's all in the pipeline. So amazing. Good on you. And how does someone reach out if they need help? If somebody needs help, it depends what level you're in. If you're in violence, if it's just manipulative, what type of abuse. But generally when you're leaving abuse is when you're most at risk of dying. So you need to have a really good exit strategy plan. Now, domestic violence services have really great caseworkers and have really great service options where they can create a whole exit strategy plan in order for you to get out of that situation safely. They can even put you in temporary accommodation. There's hostels. They will give you information on what you need to pack into your bag, what you need to have ready, how to exit, a full strategy plan. I would definitely reach out to a domestic violence advocacy service. There's so many of them. It's like Baptist care, Catholic care, all of those things. If you're not going to do that, then a family or friend, a a trusted family member or friend that you know in your intuition 
can see through their bullshit. Mm. And that will support you in leaving. You need to have a strategy to leave a violent abuser or anyone, anyone that has that hierarchy because if they have that hierarchy of control, when you leave it means that they're losing control. That's why it's so dangerous. So there have been many women that have been murdered leaving abuse that had never been hit. Domestic violence runs across the board. So you really, really have to plan your exit and you have to strategize it. It's not as simple as just walking out that door. The process was massive. So I had a lot of police involvement in my process because it was so such a long period of violence and abuse. So there was a long criminal history. Like I said to you, I reached out to every domestic violence service available. Were you scared when you did that? Were you frightened? Do you know what? Not not this time because I knew it was either death or do. But I never reached out to services all those other times. So the big differences that helped me this time was this time I said I need help because I knew I wasn't mentally well. I knew I was really broken. I knew I was in a really bad place and I knew I needed help. So I reached out to every service known to man and then I was planning my exit strategy. I have an ABO in place. It was chaotic. It was crazy. He was attacking me. I couldn't get out of the house. It was it was horrific. And then I ended up in mental health because I had a complete psychological and emotional breakdown. I just, it was, it was that point. Do you know how long the exit strategy took? Do you remember? Was it months? Was it weeks? Was it years? The services provide really good exit strategy plans and they can have you out really quickly. So they've got, you know, accommodation, they've got food support, clothing support, phones, because they they stalk you. They've got heaps of different things and strategies in place to get you out quickly and safely. The other thing that I really want to touch on, this is a bit of a controversial, I wasn't sure if I was going to touch on it or not, but here it is reporting to police. It's terrifying for women to, or I should just say people to report to police, especially in abuse. I just, rather than going into concepts and beliefs of why in abuse situations, people don't like reporting to police, what I would like to do is flip that around and saying, if you want to survive your abuse experience, you need to report events. You need to report. The police can't do anything to perpetrators if people aren't reporting. And this goes for neighbours and people. I remember I got abused in broad daylight and not one person called the police. And this isn't other people's responsibility, like the abuse falls on them. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm just saying is, and this is accountable for the victim as well, Police can only do what's on paperwork. There has to be reports made. Like I was in many situations where he would abuse me, then take my mobile off me, put the fear of God in me, and then he would call the police on me. This is the kind of control and, you know, this is the cycle of abuse. But the important thing is, is that... You have to report to police what's happening. Mm. Does he now know what you're doing now? Oh, yes. He's very aware of it. (laughs) There is an AVO in place. It is where no contact. So that's long time. I've forgiven and letting go. And I've done a lot of healing around that. Yeah, I've definitely forgiven. And I know that my abuse experience like I said before, I'm in gratitude for it now, not obviously when I was in it, because it has up-leveled me to a place where had I not gone through that, I don't think I'd be the person I am today. And I truly feel so blessed that I'm in a position to help victims in abuse. That's so amazing. It's something that Oprah Winfrey says as well. She is in gratitude as well. Oh, the experiences that she went through because 
look at the life and how many people she's able to help and be of service to now. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you, Christy, that you'd like to let out before we wrap up the show? This has been so insightful. I feel like I can talk to you forever. (laughs) I know, right? I just wanted to run through three top recovery tips, if that's okay. And I think this will put a different spin on it. This is what do you do about it? Number one, acceptance of what's happened to you. As the saying goes, the truth sets you free. And it's so true. It really does. Accepting what's happened to you. Because if you don't accept what's happened to you, then it just stunts your healing journey and you can't progress. The other saying that's really true is pain is is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So you can choose to stay in the suffering or you can heal yourself. You can't escape the pain and the trauma unless you accept the truth. And the truth is going to be that pain and that suffering that's inside of you. So the acceptance is, and this is brutal, but this is the truth, that person never really loved you. They were dishonest. They betrayed you. They didn't have your best interests at heart and you were just a commodity to them. And that's it. That's the truth. You're an object so that they could get what they needed, whatever resources they needed from you. And initially, this might be really painful to accept that they never really loved you, but it's vital in your healing journey that you accept it. My second tip is letting go of the need to know about your abuser. So what that means is initially learning about the patterns of abuse and why the abuser does things like the gaslighting and how they do it and all that informative information is really great for you to understand so you have an understanding of what's happened to you and why you have the suffering that you have. You're at that point that you need to let go to know all about them. So you accept the information and what's happened to you and then you need to let go of it. Shift the focus from them onto you and you need to be deeply acquainted with your own inner being, your own inner trauma. Healing by information does not work. The only person that can heal you is via you. And this is the other vital point. Trauma cannot be talked its way out of. So talk therapy does not heal trauma. You and I both work in subconscious healing. Trauma is deeply embedded in your subconscious and is driven by your inner programs. So no matter what you do logically, you are not going to escape your trauma. It's a programming within inside of you and you're not, you cannot try to think your way out of it. So it's vital for your healing process that you access some sort of trauma therapy. Otherwise, you're going to keep replaying those patterns over and over and over again in your life. And the third tip is abuse is all about a deep inner healing. You need to get to the acceptance and hopefully not to the point where I was completely broken. Hopefully it comes way before that for you. And this is the most important tip. Knowing this happened for a reason, it was for a reason for it to show you the parts of you that needed healing. It's not what happened to you, it's what happened for you. So it's the opportunity to clean up all your own faulty inner programs, the existing trauma that you had even before the abuse, where you already had your existing gaps and where your power was taken away the need to fix your life from external sources and not from your own internal source. And then adding in your boundaries, people-pleasing is another big one, your values and behaviours, healing all your traumas and setting yourself free with truth. That is massive. Thank you so much for your time today, Christy. I want to give you a virtual hug through the screen. (laughs) you're amazing thank you so much for having me on it's going to help a lot of people so i'll make sure i put christy's links in the show notes guys so if you want to get in touch with her and see what she's up to and what she's doing i'll put all of her links up there for you so once again thank 
you. Oh gosh, what an episode, right? If you feel that anybody in your life needs to get this episode in their ears, please share it with them so that we can keep getting the awareness out there of this horrible, horrible epidemic that is going on. And you can help one human at a time as well. Thank you times infinity for spending time with me. It really means a lot. Putting yourself first will really help escalate your goals, your dreams, and I love being on the journey with you. So make sure you come and tell me on my Instagram at whole health, which is H-O-L underscore health and comment below this podcast photo to share your thoughts on my show today. And if you enjoyed it, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify so that I can keep bringing amazing value to you. I'm sending you truckloads of love, power, and joy. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.